What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, faithful listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Guys, this week I got to do an in-person, and you know how I feel about these freaking awesome day, man. I sat down with Merrill Bullett, and we talked about hounds. We talked some cottontail. We talked some bob kitty, some snowshoe hare, and some coyote. And, man, I got to tell you, Merle, is, he's one of them guys that just knows his stuff, man. And, and I'm really, really happy that I was drawn to him through some other people and, and said, hey, you, you got you to set it up with this guy. You got to chop it up with him. And uh, thank you, Merle, so much for sitting down and, and, and giving us the time. Uh, Merle had us out and was up on the porch out in the day. You'll hear the birds chirping. The sun was shining. The wind was blowing. Uh, it was a really good conversation, man. Uh, he, he's super knowledgeable when it comes to hounds and I couldn't ask for a better better day. So with that being said, guys, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, everybody that's been reaching out the last couple weeks that, you know, hey, I want to hear this. I want to hear that. I love the recommendations. That's what I need to get the best thing that I can to you. So moving forward, keep it up. Thank you, guys. Let's not forget to rate, comment, and subscribe on all the platforms that you're listening to. That goes a long way for the show and really helps us out in the future. Guys, make sure you let everybody you know that listens to an outdoor podcast here in Pennsylvania that this is the one that they should be tuning into. Thank you. Here we go. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Today, I took a little ride up north, not far from me, but super excited about the conversation. I told you guys I've been looking for a houndsman, and and, uh, lo and behold, out here in the middle of the woods, I found one. And uh, Mr. Merle Bullett, am I saying that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, today we're going to talk about some some snowshoe hare hunting, some kitty cat hunting, and uh, whatever else that, that we strike up a conversation on. So, Merle, how are you today? Very good. Thank you for having me. I really I'm, appreciate it. I, I'm, I am more than happy, man. I'm super excited for the conversation. Uh, you will see in this in this show that I, I get fired up about this stuff, and I I just love the outdoors, man. And 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 on top of that, here living in Pennsylvania, I I think this is a great state to live and a great state to be. And we're sitting out here on his porch on a beautiful day, and if you guys hear the birds chirping, that's it's nice up here, but it's still dry. So, um, Merle, I want to jump right into it, man. Uh, who are you? You know, kind of who you are, what where you're from, what's your what's your background? Well, I grew up here and right over the hill here in cherry tree and uh always had dogs my dad always had dogs my grandfather always had dogs and they were very admirable men and i wanted to be like them you know that's yep. i wanted to have my own dogs i always listened to their stories growing up and i wanted to have my own stories you know mm-hmm. so here i am 37 years later <laughs> telling my own stories yeah and, <laughs> and for 37 years i mean I know you got some good stories, and, yeah. and I, I hope we get into a couple of them here, man, but um, you were out running this morning, and what were you out running? I was out running rabbits, uh, left about 10 till 4, mm-hmm. get, try to beat the heat a little bit, yeah. get a little dew on the ground, get some scent. Right, now that dew on the ground, how does that um, how does that help you out? Well, the more, more moisture, the better, obviously. If it's dry and dusty, then scent doesn't stick, and... Barometric pressure deals a little bit with it. You need the higher the pressure, the better, obviously. And cold temperatures all, you know, right. help naturally as well. Right. That and, you know, the dog's getting warm. And um, I guess, uh, you know, when the ground does get dry, you do lose a lot of scent. Yeah. Um, 
But how how was your season this year? I want to go into to rabbit hunting first, and then maybe we can uh, get into snowshoe hair. So this season you had, and what do you look for whenever you are out doing some? Let's start with the cottontail. Uh, cottontail, we did pretty good one. Um, I generally don't shoot too many anymore. Mm -hmm. I just enjoy running them. Um, I'd rather see my dogs get the chase than you know, you know, me kill the rabbit or somebody else kill the rabbit. Yep. But we did really well. Uh, I think we ran. I don't know, probably a little over 100 in the few weeks before the second season started after snowshoe. Yeah. So, yeah, we did pretty good. This, this year's rabbits weren't, they're on a seven-year cycle. Right. And this year just didn't seem like there was too, too many, but we did all right. Right. Where do you think that we're at right now as far as a, a seven-year cycle? I think this year coming is going to be probably one of the better years really yeah i'm okay. seeing i'm seeing a lot more now than what i have in the prior years so. now do you think like when we have a summer like this um how does I, that affect the population i think that the drier it is the better that they the better that they survive um you know they don't i don't know if it i'm not sure on on that really okay yeah i, I really don't know I, about I, that but i think know, that I, the drier the better i think the same um only because you know of how many diseases and yeah, stuff that's and then also you know hey mama rabbit decides <clears throat> to put her nest right here beside your pond yeah and, you know it overflows or whatever yeah and and uh, they end up drowning you know maybe some other circumstances we don't know about but uh but yeah you said as far as the cottontail hunting you know you don't shoot many of them and i i think i understand where you're coming from because you have shot so many yeah and you start to just watch and just want to see it go yes down, right? yeah um, times have changed over the years, you know, these GPS collars and mm -hmm. tracking collars and everything. Like you get to see the whole chase now mm -hmm. and it's, it's easier to enjoy, you know, you're not chasing after the dog constantly like right. you used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a little more relaxing. Um, you know, it's, it, times change. Right. <laughs> now when you, you know, I kind of want to get into... I think some of this conversation will be dumbed down a little further than, than maybe um, you might be used to talking to some guys. And that's just for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with even rabbit hunting or doing any type of hunting with a dog. And um, so when you're out there and you get to, to getting on a rabbit, right, mm -hmm. try to give me the, the scenario and the lowdown of running a rabbit with a dog. Um, well, you have, to get into, you have to get into the thick cover, first of all, to, to even find them. Mm -hmm. And... You take the dogs in. You basically get them into the section that you're that you're looking to to run, mm -hmm. and the dogs will jump it. And then they they generally either run in a big circle or a figure eight pattern, and you just sit back and enjoy. Now, when you are hunting them, um, do you stay in the same spot that you jump them at first, or do you move to try to cut them off when they're spinning? Um, generally, your... I stay in the same spot until they'll unless they start circling you know, in a, in a different area. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the males, they'll be out of like their area cause it's breeding season for them. Mm -hmm. And whenever you get them up and jump, then they'll run back to their area and start circling. So then you have to move in on them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, for those of you who don't know, you know, you've bucks and does, yes. um, when it comes to rabbit and, um, when, uh, when you're, when you're out running those, do you, they say you do kill one, right? You know, I know something that I used to do was uh, I would reward the dog. I would give the dog the organ meat. Mm -hmm. um, got him right there. You know, give the dog the organ meat. Is there anything you do specifically? Um, no, they 
they generally don't want nothing to do nothing with to right. do with it's them. Dead. I mean, yeah, right. they're they're on to the next one. Okay. Um, I've had them where they, I've had them, you know, retrieve them, mm-hmm. which was really nice. Yeah, bring them they, to you. They brought rabbits <laughs> back to me that I thought that I didn't even hit. Right. You know? And I've had them to where they actually wanted to tear them up, and you right. got to get them off of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the the rabbit hunting game is it's a lot of fun. Uh, I've I've been fortunate enough to do it and been around people that that know a lot about it. When when the dog actually sees the rabbit, have you seen a change in the tone? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you can definitely tell a sight chase. Yeah. They uh they liven up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. They they get a little louder, right. a little little more excited for about 100 yards or so now the dogs that you run on them um they come from same litter same mom and dad or uh you you kind of pick and choose from different people all right we just step out for a second there with a little technical difficulty but back to it um i believe that we were talking about how the tone of the dog changes yes on a sight chase they definitely get um they get more excited get a little livened up you know you can definitely tell whenever they're whenever they actually see it if the rabbit sits and and they get get eyes on it they yep. really take off after it right and that's that's the exciting part i yeah. know that's what i'm like oh there we go you yeah. know we're we're really on one <laughs> um but yeah the, the cottontail hunting you know that's something that i, I was passionate about for a long time and like i said the reason that i i don't want to say got out of it because i still would gladly go with other guys but hey if you take care of the dogs i'm in yeah. i'll buy the gas yeah. i'll buy the food <laughs> now, you know all that stuff because it, you know, it's that's, definitely you know like it it's a certain way of life like mm-hmm. they're they're not a hobby they're they're a priority yes like they yep. you know it's you you have to basically treat them like like family yeah. i mean they're they're like your kids, kids. Mm-hmm. yeah they're your kids or it's mm-hmm. it, you can't go on vacations right you know you you have dogs to tend to you can't can't go out drinking all night with your buddies like the normal people they you right. know you have to be home mm-hmm. take care of the dog take care of your dogs yep. so it, yeah uh Whenever my uh, parents got me my first beagles, it was, you know, that that was it. You know, that was. That's whenever you hung yeah. it up and you were like, this is the what I'm going to do. Yeah, it was, um, well, I've had them for 32 years now. And it's, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm, my dad put me in the same boat. You know, he said, hey, you know, if you really want this dog, this is the way it's going to be. You can yeah. train the dog yourself and you're going to take care of it. And I <clears> did. I was fortunate enough to have a dog before that that uh, my pap and my dad had, and her name was Candy, mm-hmm. and then there was Candy too, yeah. and that was my dog. Um, but I do want to talk about like uh, the litters, right? That that is something I think we were touching on. So the litters, do you do you get your dogs from the same person? Do you breed your own dogs? I, I breed my own. Okay. Um, I have gotten pups. I have two over here that I had just gotten from other people. Mm-hmm. One from my buddy, but they I get dogs out of the same bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't feel comfortable breeding or if I don't have anything to breed with at that point, then I'll go get one from that bloodline that, you know, and, and use it. And then later on down the road, then I'll have something to breed to or to breed with. Right. Um, now the bloodline that you have, your dogs, are they, uh, what color are they? Blue tick. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I like the blue tick. I like the Reggie blood, um, little bit of little bit of branco here and there okay uh, this um pinnacle hill sport i really really like that right now that's that's a good blood to get okay i so uh they're a fast dog they're they're hair bred they're they're made to run big nose big feet yeah that's what i was just going to get at i 
my dog was very fast. Mm -hmm. She wasn't real big, but she was very fast. Yeah. And that actually would make me think sometimes when people would come hunting with us, like, you know, <clears throat> if you're a novice, I don't really, I don't really yeah. prefer you be with this dog because this dog is right on that yeah. rabbit, right? Yeah. I'm, right. I'm very selective who I take. Um, there, there's times where they're no more than, you know, five to ten yards behind it, running right. it a lot of times, mm -hmm. and I just. That was one of the reasons why I basically quit killing rabbits to begin with because there were so many that I had to just watch run by me, mm -hmm. and I started enjoying that more than actually, you know, shooting the rabbit yeah. itself. Well, I think that there's something to say about that, though, too. Like, it's like, well, I got you. You know, you yeah. didn't kill them. <laughs> yeah. I got, just so you know, yeah. Mr. Cottontail <laughs> or, you know, Mr. Rabbit, I, I, I'm right here, and you're dead, right? Yes. Uh but, you know, hey, one thing you could do in the future is maybe even pick up a camera. Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of guys that don't kill a lot of different animals anymore and really rather shoot them with the camera. Yeah. Whether that be because they don't want to process them or, <clears throat> you know, some guys kill them, they give the deer away or they give the rabbit away. They don't really want to eat yeah. them, which they're crazy. But, hey, teach is their own. Yeah, I was always brought up whatever you kill, you eat. Right. And Same. we Same. just, uh, we don't make them anymore. I mean, we've eaten so many of them that right. it just isn't, it isn't something that, we eat all the time, so we just don't kill them anymore. I understand. But, yeah, like right now, I run faster dogs, but um, I grew up with like uh, like a trial style dog, like okay. a SPO style dog, and I ran those for a long time. And once I started getting into the snowshoe hair a little more, I needed something that would keep them up on their feet, keep them up and moving to where right. they didn't mess with the dog so much, and we had good consistent chases. Now. Chasing a cottontail versus chasing a hare. Let's get into that. All right. Um, cottontail, they generally, I mean, you'll get them to go three, 400 yards uh, mm -hmm. in a circle. Mm -hmm. Hare, I've had them go over a mile yeah. in a mile circle. They're, and snowshoe hare don't, they don't live underground. They don't hole up. Cottontail, there's days where they'll run and there's days they don't run at all. Mm -hmm. And it, it depends on the wind and the weather and, you know, the pressures and, everything else um cottontail are pretty finicky hair they're they're okay. in a whole league of their own you know like they're they're born to bear the elements really yeah yeah so they, well, they uh, live know, in some pretty nasty places a lot of people don't know that they malt yeah you know and that they don't have that white color <clears throat> yeah it's that goes on um that's not the temperatures or the amount of snowfall that's on the hours of daylight you know per day mm -hmm. which makes them lose their white hair and you know start their brown hair growth and that's for camouflage so they can you know obviously survive for the predators and live on top the, yeah on top the snow yes um size difference they weigh about the same but i mean they're they're probably twice as long twice, but yeah. their their legs are just a lot longer mm -hmm. and yeah, their feet are a lot bigger obviously yeah. their feet are they're called um snowshoe hair Number one, they're they're called hair because they're born with like fully haired. They're they don't nurse or anything like they they chew. They don't live off their mother. Mm -hmm. And snowshoe, they open up their feet to where they can stay on top of the snow and run. Right, and get that that mass yes on top of the the, the snow so they can move. Um, yeah, they are in a league of their own when it comes to them being tough. Yes. Right? Because, you know, one BB and a cottontail, and you yeah. might roll it. Yeah. Whereas you might track them like a deer, a hare. Yeah. Right? Because I've, I've been there, done it. That's what they do. They, um, 
they say that they there's not a lot of information on them but they say that they will feed up to a mile away from where they where they bed mm -hmm. so and they can put down a lot of tracks from their feeding area to their bedding area right right so it's it is fun i i greatly greatly enjoy running snowshoe just with the weather in the summertime you you got to really be careful with your dogs because they'll get heat exhaustion and everything else you have to pick and choose when you can run them throughout the year right that's i mean that's just a challenge in its yeah. own you know um what your your snowshoe hairs uh, we were saying about how tough they are too and then you said that they w will eat up to a mile yeah. away from you know where they where their living quarters are if you will now when the bucks are out chasing you know some some strange mm -hmm. they can probably get out even further than yes that. yeah yeah, I mean, you'll track track one of them until you get tired of it and then just decide to move on to the next. <laughs> you know, it's just right. they they really, really move. And they'll go through open timber and everything else. You know, they don't just stay in the brushy area. But whenever you seem to get one up and jumped, most of the time they'll stay in the perimeter of the thicket that you're, that you're running them in. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot to, I mean... I went up there for probably four years, five years, trying to find them before I actually understood how they lived and where they were in the in the areas that they were staying in and feeding in. And they have a very specific diet. You want to elaborate on that? Um, most of their feed is like beech or birch bark, and it has to be like a like a fifteen to twenty year cut. Um, Whenever I say cut, I mean like they timber and then the undergrowth grows up and it has to be about 15 to 20 years old. And that's the the food that they have to have that they can survive on. And there has to be water near. They, they take a lot of water, year-round water to, to survive. Hmm. So the 15 to 20 year cut, that's about the prime. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. That's, that's, and that's why there's so few in Pennsylvania because the the timber just isn't there much any anymore up north and whenever you find them you know you you really have to be conservative on how many you take out right you know per season per spot and you don't tell nobody yes yeah, so you don't <laughs> tell anybody <laughs> yeah i know because that's such a specialized thing here in pennsylvania you know we have them and i think what's the limit is it two a day one one a day one a, okay one a day one a day and then that's only a three. five five day season five to six day season depending on where christmas falls wait that's probably i bet you that's I'm just thinking of our season length. That's got to be one of the shortest ones. Yeah. I don't think there's anything shorter than that now. No. Actually. And Fisher, I think, was three days for a while, and then they changed it or whatever. But it, um, And it's like sometimes five days is too much, you know, because you run your dogs so hard on it. I mean, you're putting 140 to 150 miles on your dogs in five days running them, mm -hmm. and it just it runs them down to nothing. Now, if you could change that, then what, what do you think – in your opinion would be uh i don't right now i think that they should just i think you should be allowed to run them but i don't think you should be allowed to shoot them for the next you know couple years yeah okay years to get the population up a little bit because it is this year seemed like it's getting well this was a pretty mild winter mm -hmm. so everybody with dogs thought that they were going to go run snowshoe basically i saw more people up there this year than what i have ever running you know, there were spots where I was way back in and running into guys with their, you know, bringing their dogs in as well. Now, when you, you know, with your opinion and what you're talking about as far as um, the 
the season. Is that something you see with a lot of other houndsmen too? Like they, yeah. they're not so much into killing them where they want to run them. Yeah, they just want to run them. Um, hmm. A lot of guys, like I, I've gotten guys their first hair, quite a few guys, and there's uh, after they shot a few of them, then they're they're cutting back as well. You know, like they're they're finding that it's you know more of a majestic animal in Pennsylvania than than it is a trophy, really. So they're actually you know they just go up with me and run all the time with me instead of hunting yeah so yeah i can you know like i can attest to that i can see where because in all realness you know like it's fun to kill them and it's fun to yeah to 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 be able to play them or even get them mounted you know some guys want to get them mounted, and i'm all for that you know but i i do see what you're saying when you when you do start running them and you start to gather a bigger understanding of how to conserve them yeah how to how to make an effort but you know from what you're saying and you're an experienced uh hare hunter and the guys that you've been around and seen have kind of like the same opinion mm-hmm. on the season. You know, I think that that's something that should be talked about a little bit more than because if there, if you got enough guys on board, which you probably will, you know, that's, that's probably what you'll see happen. Yeah. Maybe it goes to two day season, right? A weekend. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It's, um, there's just, there's not a lot of them in Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. there, there might be a 20 mile band from, the New York border to, you know, 20 miles south from the New York border that the hare actually live in now. They're just, the population's way down because we just don't have the vegetation. We don't have the, don't have the, the resources for them to survive. Right. So all of like Southern New York, they don't have any. Um, now you get up into the Adirondacks and they're just, yeah, I go up there pretty mm-hmm. often running and they're just, they're everywhere up mm-hmm. there. Because they have cedar swamps and mm-hmm. things like that. that elevation. They, yeah. Well, not so much the elevation, but the length of snow for them to okay. to survive in, and you know stuff like that. They have they have the water. They have the right food. They have the snow. They they live there. Right. I, I mean that makes sense that you say that because you know where I go in Maine to hunt the snowshoe hares, that's what it is. They're yeah. cedar swamps. Yeah. And they're just. They call them thousand acre bogs or whatever, yeah. but you can't, you know, summertime, you ain't getting in there. No. You know, no, no, in the wintertime, you're on top of the snow yes. like they are, and um, you know, that's how you're going to get in there. Yeah. But it's hard hunting up there in the winter whenever they get deep snow. I mean, the dogs, mm-hmm. you'll sink in, you know, up to your waist mm-hmm. walking in it, and the dogs seem to, like, it's a, it's a lake effect snow, so it's wet and it's thick and it's heavy, so the dogs don't really sink, and the hare stay right on top of it. And after they make a few circles, then the hare actually run the trenches that the dogs are, are running after them in. So you really don't even get to see the rabbit. You just hear them go by you, and then you think, well, how the hell did they get by me? You know, yeah. like you, you just, you don't see they them. They do get by you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really yeah. Do. There's, they're very, very tough to see whenever there's snow down. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. You see their eyes. Their eyes and their feet. Yep. Yep. Um, I know uh, in my experience, you're talking about the deep snow and that's that's another thing with with these you know hunting these animals is because you you might have snowshoes on just say you're rocking snowshoes which is hard number one unless you're bow-legged that's hard and you're putting on all these miles next thing you know you got groin pains and knee pains (laughs) because you're not it's just not natural and then you get into these areas like you're saying where it's maybe it's not crusted over Mm -hmm. and you're near like uh some slow some little hemlocks or something where the snow's kind of built up on the sides yep poof you're in poof yep. you're in right 
It's yeah, a whole different challenge on it, itself. It makes for a miserable day whenever you get into areas <laughs> does, like that. You uh, you get back in there, you know, you're full of full of energy in the morning. You get back in there, and then by about noon or 1 o'clock, you think, how the heck are you getting back out, right. you know? Get me out of yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> Just let the dogs go and yeah. try to get out. Yeah. Like, now, as far as um, retrieving your dogs, you know, what, uh, what, what practice do you have for that? Because I know that can be difficult. Um, the GPS callers really help out for that mm -hmm. now uh i don't even know if i own a leash anymore like since these gps callers came out it's you have full control over them you see how fast they're running where they're at you know if they're running sitting treed if you have coon dogs um the speed that they're going the average average speed throughout the day the miles are putting on uh you can vibrate them you can tone them mm -hmm. and it's it's a game changer it's an yeah. absolute game changer yeah what do you uh just equipment wise what do you usually run with your with your dogs i have uh the garmin 220 or uh 200 mm -hmm. and the tt15 minis is what i run on my dogs okay and it's 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 the cat's meow yeah, huh? yes it is it yeah. definitely is i remember whenever i was a little kid running coon you know coon hounds mm -hmm. with my with my dad we obviously didn't have any tracking systems or anything back then and i remember whenever the the a reflective collar came out and my dad thought that was just the greatest thing in the world because <laughs> he could now see his dogs at night you know mm -hmm. like that was just the best thing ever a reflective collar yeah so yeah things uh things definitely change yeah i i will have a, i have a story real quick i want to get into um so uh, we had just my wife and i got a puppy uh he was probably on a year old pissing vinegar and uh we kicked we, we Cooped him up in the city for too long. I'm going to say in the city. We didn't really live in the city, but we lived in North Pittsburgh. And um, we got home, and he has 200 acres to run, right? And uh, I don't really want him to go too far, but, you know, Dad mm -hmm. takes him looking for sheds, and Dad takes him in the woods and all that. And he was good <laughs> for the longest time. One night, he goes outside, and the deer standing right at the top of the hill in the backyard. Well, he didn't like that. That just, just irritated him, got under his skin. He took him. Luckily, my wife had put a... Um, like a glow collar, like mm -hmm. uh, a glow stick collar, but it was battery powered. Yeah. And I had it on him and it turned it on. And I chased that dog from my house <laughs> to the other side of 53. And I, you know, I, here I am thinking he's going to get hit by a car. And there I am in the dark, right? And I had a pair of I had boxers on, a pair of muck boots, and a t shirt, right? <laughs> and here I go down through the woods, chasing, chasing, chasing. And oh, the hemlocks tore me up. I come home, I had blood all over me. And it was my own. <laughs> And uh, I got him. I did get him. Uh, but just a funny story. Uh, I, I did switch over to sport dog collars. And yeah. that's, we rerun the contain and train at my house. Mm -hmm. uh, and it works really it's, well. You have to, you know, I've, I've trained so many throughout the years. And these, the Garmin collars mm -hmm. made it so much easier. Sure. Because you have to have discipline in the dog and obedience before you can, you know, teach it to track something yeah. because you have to be able to handle it before you can actually take it out and and teach it to do something right because if you can't catch it then you can't tell it to do something right. i mean obviously yeah yeah the callers yeah they're, they're the way to go and, and i and i stand behind them 100 mm -hmm. i do too it's a it's a it's more for their safety than than right. anything Hit i mean right on the head. um i run areas now that i would never think about running prior to having these because i can you know, beep them or vibrate them and get them back to, you know, my containment, my, you know, where I want them. I They're not just out running wherever they want and listening to see if, you know, one hits or one jumps a rabbit way off and then trying to get all the other dogs over to right. them. Right. 
Yeah, and I mean, when you're in different terrain too, you know, and, and you don't have those callers, like it's damn near impossible to know your dog even jumped one, yeah. right? Or you see stories all the time. Hey, I was running my dog on this track of game land. Somebody come help me try, try yeah. to find him, right? And that's sad because you know how much love goes into that dog. Yes. You know. It's, they're, I mean, like I said earlier, those dogs are mm -hmm. your basically your kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much time and effort and devotion that goes into them. Mm -hmm. that, and they give you 100% of everything that they have every time they're out. And you have to do that for them as well. Otherwise, it's it, you don't ever meet in the middle. It's, mm -hmm. I said it's not a hobby. It's it's a devotion. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a way. It's of a life, way right? of life. Yes. Mm -hmm. I remember the the first dogs that that I ever got. It was two days after my fifth birthday, and I was out somewhere with my mom. And I came home. My dad's uh, chair was in the corner of the living room, and we came home. And I heard something, and I asked what you know what that was and my dad said check it out and I ran over and jumped up in the chair and the the very second that I peeked around that chair and saw them beagle pups in that basket that set the direction for my life for the rest of my life like that was that was it like I knew you know that's what I always wanted to do it up to that point yeah and I've had them ever since that's all, that's an and, awesome story and I just I I, I don't know, like, I, I can't imagine not having them, but mm -hmm. I'm going to have them as long as I'm physically capable to have them. Mm -hmm. You know, running these bobcats and, and bigger game and coyotes, it's it's getting a little tougher on me, but I'm still out doing it. Right. But rabbit hunting's pretty pretty laid back. It's, yeah, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I highly, highly prefer rabbit hunting with dogs over guys. And I do hunt with some guys who we can go out and get some good good amount of rabbits yeah. if they want, you know, yes. with without them. But it's just not as fun. Yeah, that's know? like the hair season. As short as it is, it's um, it's so much fun. And there's there's really nothing more gratifying than being with somebody that you take up there for the first time that that has had hounds for so long, and you know where the hair is going to be, and you take them with you, and it's coming around. You get to see the the emotions and the adrenaline, you know, working up in that person. And, and whenever they shoot and, and they get it and, you know, just like I said, there's nothing more gratifying than knowing that your hard work and dedication, you know, is paying off. Like you're reliving that moment of you being successful for that harvest the first time all over again. And God's sakes, if they miss, holy cow, you gotta you gotta <laughs> walk them off the edge and tell them it's gonna be okay. You yeah. know, there's there's other chases to be right. had, but right. yeah, it's there's nothing better or more satisfying than than that very very moment. You know, whenever they actually succeed and get something like I that. I agree. I agree. It's, you know, it's that that is a testament to getting people involved in what we do. Yeah. You know, and and the first thing that comes to mind is like youth. You know, when you yeah. take a kid hunting, yes, that's that's why it's so addictive. Yes, it is. You know, I know my dad. I remember the first time him telling me, you know, I don't, and he was serious. Like, I don't, I didn't take it as him being serious, but I remember the first time him telling me, I don't really want to kill them anymore. Mm -hmm. it didn't matter what we were talking about. Yeah, I just want to see you, your brother, kill him. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand. I do understand. Yeah, I get it. And that's for everything. You know, deer hunting, everything like. Um, this year, deer hunting, I got my fiance her first buck, yeah. and, and it was probably just it, yeah. It was, I mean, it was a twelve point that was twenty some inches wide. I mean, that that really helps out. But just to see her break down and you know, 
like I said, kind of. She's on the same playing field of what you, yes, you know, understood all your life. Yes, and, and yeah. it's it's very very satisfying. Right, because I think that that's one of them things that you can't really explain to people. You know, no, I, you can't. My my friends before I had my baby, you know, they would try to explain, or or family would try to explain, like, oh, that's this is you know, it's just a, it's a crazy feeling. You can't really explain that until yes. you are there. Live it happens it, yeah. for you, and it's the same thing when it comes to, you know killing yes. a rabbit killing uh, a, a big deer or not even a big deer just a deer yeah you know, whatever it is i mean yeah it's it's a lot yeah. it's more than adrenaline and it's more emotions than you can i've seen grown men shed tears over a snowshoe hair you know because <laughs> <laughs> because they're they've yeah. tried it for so long and and wanted to do it and, right. and get their hands on one for so long that mm-hmm. it, whenever they finally get the opportunity it's yeah. it's something very special for them well you know that's a testament to doing hard shit all right because if this was easy we wouldn't be sitting here having yeah. this conversation right because i feel like especially outdoorsmen if it ain't hard we're not interested yeah and i i don't know why you know i don't know what that drive is i just know that doing hard shit makes me feel good and that's what i want to do yeah right that's why i got into running the bobcats because it was it's like running snowshoe hair but on steroids you right. know like it's that's the next step for me is what what that was and it um it takes a special person to be able to endure that and and to endure it and enjoy it the highs are very high the lows are really low like you have to be able to take disappointment very well if you you know don't kill one or if you miss one uh, but whenever you actually do get that opportunity to to harvest one it's there's nothing like it let's um let's move the conversation into that because uh just I guess before we start that, what what all dogs do you have, and then um, you know what do you run with them? What game do you choose to run with them? And then we'll let's get into your bobcat dog. Uh, I have seven beagles right now. I have five of them for rabbit and snowshoe hare, and I use two of them for bobcats and coyotes. Okay. And I run it's the same bloodline for all of them. I I know what they do. I know how they perform. Um, I like the the faster dog for both rabbit and cat, and they're very very. They have very good endurance. Um, I can run them from dark till dark, and they'll do it day after day. They just have heart like no other bloodline that I've ever had. So, whenever I decided to go with beagles for these bobcat, I just you know got two pups and and train them for cats and did that with them so it's uh now how does that differentiate like okay so you say you can use them for both coyote and bobcats yes now how i mean so if you're you're running a coyote and you jump a cat will they take the cat or what's yes. the okay yeah. yeah you i take them i i drive around in the morning and find a track and i put them on that track and they, they'll generally stay on that track unless like if I'm running a cat and a coyote jumps up in front of them, then they'll take the hotter cat, okay. or you know, or the, the hotter track, track rather. But for the most part, it's very rarely do they switch over. But I have had it happen. Okay. Yeah, I like I was telling you before we come on, I didn't know anybody who ran cats with dogs. So what's the whole process like? You so you're gonna go out, you put them on a track, and then from there, they're just gonna tree them, or what? So what goes? Um, down? They don't really tree in this area. Okay. Uh, they do tree north of interstate 80 for some reason but um in eight years of running them here i've had maybe two go up a tree 
and one happened to be this year, but it was hit prior to that. It ran up the tree okay. to get away from the dogs. I see. Um, they'll usually just circle. We get a lot of holes. They'll go in, in caves. Like these cats have showed me some very interesting places that I never even knew. knew. Yeah, like <laughs> there's, they they end up in some pretty bad places. Yeah, they love rocks. They they love jaggers and briars and because they're hunting rabbits you know mm -hmm. that's their main source of food right. so that's where they're at that's where they live that's where they feed that's where they sleep and it's you just have to be able to go get them do you think you know the the bobcat population right i can remember when i was growing up here in pennsylvania i was probably about 10 say 10 years old or so and we seen a bobcat mm -hmm. and i remember i was in the tree stand with my dad and i said dad there's you know there's a cat and he's like, holy shit, that ain't, that's not, that's a bobcat. And it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I remember the uh, sportsman's club in our area had a picture of a bobcat and like everybody would look at that. And that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. like, oh, they got a picture of a bobcat here in PA. How have you seen the progression of the population in Pennsylvania? Well, up until this season, well, until this season had started eight or nine years ago, I have never seen one in the wild. And I don't know too many people that have been in the woods more than I have. Mm -hmm. I've never seen one in the wild. Now, whenever I first started, it was a big deal to run one a year, you know, like that was, they, then you realize that they did exist, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I went out, I went down to Southern West Virginia and bought this dog that, where they have bobcats, I bought this dog to, to run cats for an animal that I didn't even know existed really around here, you know, the population of them or anything. And once I got that dog and started going out and checking for tracks and realizing that they were around here, then I started getting into it a little more and a little more and a little more. And now it seems like there's almost as many cat tracks a year as what I'll find coyote tracks. Like there's there's a good plethora of cats around here. Like yeah. I think there was 16 different cats that I had cut tracks of this year. Now, when so. you do catch up with them, I assume... We're, we're killing them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're only allowed one a year. One but, a year. Um, I didn't really, I've shot four or five of them now over the dogs. And this year I got two of my good friends, their first cat. And okay. same thing with the, the snowshoe hair. Like it's, it's very, very gratifying watching somebody get one of them. Heck like they, yeah. cause they've been with me for up to five, six years, you know, going and trying to get one. And they've been so close so many times and whenever they finally got to kill one then that was that's a really big deal to them would you think that it's harder to shoot a black bear or a bobcat uh probably a bobcat i i would agree with that yeah. statement that's why and i bring it up unless you know somebody with dogs that actually does it your chances of going out and calling one i mean there you obviously have the chance but it's mm -hmm. probably not as good mm -hmm. So once those dogs get on that track, you take them out, you find the track, you put them on it. Sometimes you'll walk hours and hours. And I put them on a track at daylight, and I didn't jump it until 2 or 3 in the afternoon. You know, and, and then that's when your day starts is whenever that, you know, whenever the cat jumps. is right. whenever, whenever that's, then it all begins. You know, you don't know where you're going to be, <laughs> where you're going to end up. Right. And you're already miles and miles and miles from your vehicle. And you have three hours of daylight left, and you. But it's you a just, huge commitment. Yes, you know what it I mean. Is. When you put the dogs, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, 
you know, when you're when you leave here at 4:30 a.m. and pack the dogs up or whatever time it is, you slept in for two hours. Okay, see, <laughs> see, I'm not even I'm not even awake yet. I haven't yeah. even got a sip of coffee in me, and you guys are already out hunting them. Right? Yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying is, that's a huge commitment, and that takes that takes more than just your support. Yes. Right? You have to yeah. have it here. Yes. Um, that's for cats and rabbits both, because I go all over running these snowshoe and. There's times I don't come home for two weeks. Like a, mm-hmm. you have to have a good support system at home, and she realizes, you know, that that they come first, and and they have to, you know, like mm-hmm. that's that's my life. That's it's our life now. But they have to come first all the time. It's not fair to them if you don't run them. It's it's yep. not a hobby. Yep. That they're they're number one priority, and you have to run them. They and if you don't, then then you don't have good dogs to to do it with. I mean, yep. it's. It's a 50-50 split. Yep. I think you hit it right on the head. And, uh, you know, we're we're lucky as outdoorsmen when we can set set that up, you know, and, yeah. and have it both sides. But at the same time, there's one thing that I know that you don't get a lot of and I know that I don't get a lot of, and that's sleep. Yeah. Right? <laughs> because it, the bill's got to get paid too, yes. right? So yeah. on the flip side, we got to go to work. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, I, I don't know what your schedule's like for work. I, I know what you do. But you know, I know, I know. This time of the year, I know you're busy. I know that you're you're busy or, or busier than me. But um, do you have a little bit more time going into fall? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like right now, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm awake at three to three thirty every morning. Mm-hmm. And come Saturday, like this morning, mm-hmm. I wanted to do nothing more than get a couple hours of sleep. <laughs> right. But you know, these temperatures and the dryness, I had to beat the beat the sunrise and you know, before, before the dew came off and I, you know, I had to get up at 10 till four and make the coffee and load the dogs and go out and try to find a rabbit to chase. Yeah. And it's, it, it is overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you do lack a lot of things. You do give up a lot of things and, but it's also rewarding, you know, knowing that you have something that you work so hard on. Right. You hit it right on the head and it is all in what you want. Yes. You know, everybody can have something different. It's just how hard are you willing to, yes. to push it to, yeah. to get that? I figure they give me 100%. I'll try to give them everything I can mm-hmm. back in return, mm-hmm. especially cat dogs. Um, you have to you have to go with them. Like there's times you'll push yourself so hard and be so exhausted and you'll actually, you know, throw up because you're so exhausted. Like you, you break down, you fall down, and you just can't push anymore, and then you have to – you have to dig a little bit deeper you know you have to get back up you have mm-hmm. to you have to go with them you have no choice right you know they're doing it you have to do it yeah well that's something that we talked about before we come on too you know you and, and another individual i know who more than likely will be on the show too um you know it's like you guys don't sleep i swear <laughs> to god and um you know we might end end the night there a little later with with a couple uh beverages and it's like time to go in the morning yeah and it's just tenfold 100 percent. here we go and, yeah and um you know, the adrenaline rush and, and like you said, also like everything that builds up to that moment to get the dogs out and run. It's just it's time to go. Yep. It's time to to put the uh, put the goal in, in the crosshairs and, and, and set it and go. Yep. You can't put an old head on a new dog. You have to you have to feed them tracks. Even if it's one track a day, it's a track they didn't have. Mm-hmm. So it's you have to get them out. It's it's a necessity. You have to if you're going to have them, you have to run them. Yeah, they are, they are incredible animals, and like you said, we, 
I don't think that we could ever give them as much as they're willing to give us. No, you know? never. There's nothing on God's green earth that will give you more than what a hound will try to give you. Like it, it's its main goal is to please you 100%, mm-hmm. and it will give you everything it has. I've I've carried them out of the woods this cat season. I had to carry my dogs out of the woods. Mm-hmm. Like they run until they can't, mm-hmm. and that's that. Yep. And you it's just amazing. have to, you have to, every dog has its, you know, own personality. They're like people. You don't train one of them the same as the other one, you know, the same as the next. They all have their own personality, their own quirks. They're, you just, it's up to you to find out how to actually handle them and train them. Now, when you run your dogs, do you run like a male and a female? Do you run like a male combo or do you not even yeah. think about that? Um, I used to prefer the females. I always figured that they were a little bit smarter than the males, mm-hmm. less bullheaded, right. um, a little more attentive, but any more. I've had quite a few really good males and um, I have two males now, three males now, counting my cat dog and the rest are females, four females. So it's about 50-50. Now do you... I mean, obviously, there comes a time of the year for them where they can't really be around each other. How yeah. do you handle that? Are they do you uh, one or two fixed up, or everything's natural? No, they're all natural. I just keep them all separated. Okay. Um, a lot of barking goes on whenever that <laughs> that happens, but yeah, I, um, Dad always told me you don't breed dogs just to have puppies. Mm-hmm. I don't breed dogs until I absolutely need a puppy mm-hmm. you know because right now my one female she's 12 years old i have a seven-year-old male and a six-year-old male that i run on on rabbit so i needed newer blood coming up because i don't know how much longer the 12 year old's going to be able to run obviously yeah. and beagles prime out at three to four years old mm-hmm. and then around six or seven they start declining you know they start losing a step so you want to keep if you're going to keep doing it, you have to keep fresh blood coming in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they where they 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 are great animals. I love the sound of a beagle barking. It just it's yeah. It's it's it's, its own thing. Yeah. You know, you always know when you can hear a beagle barking, especially whenever you you know say that you're that you just get a pup and you start training it and the first time that it opens, it, you know, you you start showing it these rabbits and the first time that it opens, there's just nothing better at that point, you know, like you spend so many hours, you know, whether it be tame rabbits or, or box trap rabbits and the hours that you have, like I have a one acre starting pen at home, the hours that you have building that and taking the dogs out every day, day after day after day. And then whenever they finally open up and, and something clicks in their head and you, you see that happen, then that's, that's really, really great. Now, um, let's, let's step into that there for a second when you do start uh, a pup what what do you usually go uh, and try to do with it to train it to, to hunt rabbit it depends on the dog um, if the dog handles really well I can just take it out into the wild and try to find rabbit drive around you know on dirt roads or whatever and, and find a rabbit out on the road and then get the dog out and put it on the on the rabbit and let it work drag it on the track if the dog doesn't handle really well I have that pen where I can put them in that pen and handle them a little bit better mm-hmm. to where they can't get away from me uh-huh. and try to get them started that way. So until they actually catch on and you can do something, you know, until it's obedient, 100% obedient with you, then you can take them out into the wild. But I don't ever try to start two dogs at the same time. You always do one at a time. And um, 
because they have a lot of pup left in them. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's some dogs I've had running at 12 weeks old, and other dogs were a year old before I got them running. Okay. Like every everyone's different. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see how you know how that would be, and definitely you know trying to start two at once. I couldn't even ever imagine that. And I've seen it done. Yeah, but it, um, at some point, you know, they were separated, and then yeah, I don't run them with any dogs at all until I'm 100% sure they can run their own own game right. like that so I don't want them just running behind the other dogs me too and you know mm -hmm. like I, I don't want them just barking just to bark I want them running whenever they bark I want to be sure that they're on what I want them to be on right yeah yeah they they could easily do that you know just be part of the pack and yeah they can't pretend when they're alone and you'll get a much stronger pack if you start them all and you can solo them all and mm -hmm. the, then they're actually every one of them's doing their their own thing and you get less breakdowns you get um longer runs you know better runs and it's just a lot lot better now um what do you think about like predatoration on rabbits and i'm not going to just do rabbits with you on that because you know the predators that kill rabbits are also killing other yeah. animals turkey right? grouse everything. and that's yes. what i'm getting into yeah. right so what do you think here in Pennsylvania? What's what do you think the number one predator the rabbits have is? Um, in Pennsylvania, probably red-tailed hawks or owls. Um, I know that fishers are really bad on them, uh, as guys, well as do you have a lot of fishers in this area? Yes, really. Yes, um, they're not only very hard on the rabbits, but they're also very very hard on the turkey around here. Mm -hmm. um, co coyotes, obviously, cats, fox, which the fox numbers are down. You know, significantly because we have more coyotes but yeah like basically the rabbits at the bottom of the food chain mm -hmm. everything out there eats it yeah i would agree with you that i think the red tail hawks boy I, I would really i really wish there that there was a season on them personally um because i we've there's so many around my house yes I mean, there's like they're like crows i swear yeah there's so many of them it's crazy and i think that that does have an effect on the rabbit numbers around my house at least um now I have a bigger woods. We don't have a lot of fence line mm -hmm. and stuff, you know. So the rabbits they get a little bigger and they they do. It seems like they do a bigger circle, yeah. you know, compared to like a fence line or a farm rabbit. Um, but yeah, the red tail hawks. I agree. Uh, the only reason I kind of wanted to get in this conversation is because I don't know if you're aware or not, but uh, the Pennsylvania Game Commission is talking about reintroducing the martin. The martin, yes. And I just was kind of curious what your feelings uh, are. I couldn't disagree with that uh, that theory anymore. Okay. Um, I think that the fisher was a terrible idea because they have no predator and all they're going to do is like, I think they introduced the fisher to get rid of the porcupines. Okay. Makes sense. Well, um, well, it doesn't make sense, but it's, we still have a good amount of porcupines and oh, yeah. a lot, you know, a, a lot less turkey now, um, a lot less small game now. And the Martin's going to be the same way, you know. Yeah, they're a cute little bugger. But right. <laughs> oh, yeah, cute. They can kill. <laughs> yeah. They're tough. Yeah. You know. Um, no, I was just curious. And I think that uh, I'm going to have somebody come on the show and talk about that because there's a lo I have a lot of questions about mm -hmm. that, right? Because I'm not a biologist, but I am. I'm a hunter. Yeah. And I'm a seasoned hunter. And I, I know things, but at the same time, I'm not a biologist. Yeah. So I would like to see what's kind of what's yeah. why. Yes. You know, I, I would be interested in that myself um like but what, yeah what is the reasoning why are why are you wanting well to do that? Would i would like to in that conversation hope that maybe i could even get the fisher brought up too mm -hmm. and, and just kind of just 
talk about that scenario too. I really want to kill one and I want to get one mounted. That's something that I want. Um, I'm a mount guy. Yeah. I like having mounts and stuff. And I actually have a, a, an idea in my head. I want to get it mounted kind of like with a stick on its chest. And like, do you ever see when they do like a, like the plexiglass water? Yeah. And I want some like freeze dried minnows or, mm-hmm. or like some trout or something in it, like going down the pond and yeah. grab them or something. Um, but anyway, that's just my imagination. Uh, <laughs> but getting into, um, the, the coyote side of things, you know, what, what practices do you usually do for that? Do you, um, do you just run, you say you have two dogs for that? Yes. And what, what kind of, what does that look like? Um, it's pretty much the same as cat, but they run a lot more open timber, you know, cats will circle like a, like a rabbit for the most part, but very, very big circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, coyotes, they tend to straight line, but same, same concept. You go out, find a track decipher which one's the freshest one to take and then you put the dogs on it they'll cold trail it until it's jumped and whenever it's jumped they give out like a locate bark same as same as a cat's and then whenever you hear that locate bark you know it's jumped and then then the chase is on Mm -hmm. and you just you try to get in front of them and line line up all the crossings where you think they're going to cross and shoot them now when it comes to like you say where they're going to cross is there certain things you use, power lines, streams? Streams. I like to get into the stream beds a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they, And if you watch on the GPS, they tend to cross the same spot all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, And it doesn't matter what coyote that you're running. If it's in that area, they generally cross the same spot. So you get guys in position first and then go in and get it jumped, and then you know, chances are you're going to hear gunshots fairly soon that way right yeah i mean that's that's a great great way to look at it now do you have you found anything that also the cats and the dogs that they seem to try to stray away from when you're chasing them um not really no no not really um cats they like the the jaggers and the laurels and the rocks but they don't really i've you never know where they're gonna be right i mean they don't i haven't found anything that they try to stay away from but yeah, the problem is where you're going to end up. Right. Um, so I guess I have a whole list here. I just want to kind of go over this list and see if there's anything I'm forgetting to ask you here because I'll think about it afterward and be like, damn, I, I, I messed up. Um, what type of, uh, if any, is do you think that there's like any misconceptions or, or myths about running dogs on things? Um, well, I know that there's a lot of misconception about deer hunters not wanting people to run their dogs. This is good. On is good. on their property yeah. because they'll chase the deer off. Mm-hmm. I've had my coonhounds run right up on deer, you know, and not chase them. Look nose to nose. You don't. At nighttime, I don't, I don't know if you've ever coon hunted or anything, but I, I never have. You, I never have. You can walk right up on deer with, you know, with that. your coon light, and they just lay there. They, they don't care at all. Um, my dogs don't run deer, and I would never allow them to run deer. I'm right. not in there to run, you know, to to run that. Right. Well, what sense would and, that make? And, I mean, they just, they don't really seem to bother them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys say, well, in the rut, you know, if a buck's out of its area. And it's in, you know, their property and you have your dogs in there. If you run that deer, then it's out of, it, it isn't coming back into that area. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. So I don't think that they're, 
afraid of the dogs whatsoever. I really wish that a lot of property owners would open their arms to more coyote and bobcat, you know, any yes. predator killers because it, you're boy. seeing it more now than than you were, you know, in the past years because people are starting to understand how hard coyotes are on on oh. the deer and you know, like that's their main source of food. Right. You know, same with cats. I mean, a cat will take a fawn or you know a decent sized deer yeah. down no mm -hmm. problem well there's been a and lot more videos emerging of, yeah. of cats and, killing deer and whenever you you know like you go out and find these tracks of them and then you put the dogs on them you're tracking them out you'll see how many things that they kill mm -hmm. throughout that that course of their you know feeding time and bedtime and most of the time it's deer that you find laying there yeah Anybody that's listening, if you have private land and you need help with predatoration, <laughs> guys, you you gotta reach out to these these guys. You gotta get them in there. Um, if they're willing to come in and run their dogs in your area, I highly recommend. You know, I know Josh and I talk about like there's there's a spot in particular, and I won't bring it up, but he knows what I'm talking about, and we just can't yeah get them to budge. But there's a lot of dogs in there. They need killed. Yeah. So now I know there's a trapper not far from there, but like. You know, let's let's let the dogs yeah. in too because, I mean, trapping I I think is wonderful, but at the same time I think the dogs can kill, yeah, more uh, than your traps will get. Like these coyote hunts and everything, a lot of people use. Um, a lot of people don't like whenever you have a coyote hunt like a tournament, and there's the hound guys in there and the call guys. Well, I think that what these call guys don't understand is, you know, they they put batteries in their call once a year. Um, the hound guys, like they say that it's such a disadvantage, we don't get to pick and choose where we hunt, you know, like we, we have to take care of these dogs all year long. It's, it, I think that the thermal scope really uneven the odds, you I know, agree. a, a lot more because we're like the, the dog guys, it isn't a guarantee that you're gonna, gonna kill something with them. I mean, it, you might not even get one up and jump that day and like the the calls you can literally go and anywhere pretty much and and call and if you know that one's in that area then you have a chance at that mm -hmm. you know that's not how it works with the dogs um i think that you're right with the thermal scopes and that actually brings me to something to bring up um, i don't want to get into the conversation of it but you know there's been a trail camera ban in a couple states here mm -hmm. as of recent and I find that pretty wild because in those states, I'm almost sure that you can use thermal products. Yeah. Well, that's kind of wild to me that you can't use a trail camera, but you can use a thermal yeah. scope, right? Um, now, I have nothing against it. If it's if that's the law, you know, yeah, we can we can do it. Now, that's that's if your ethics are different, that's a different story. But um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> unfortunately that there's a split in the. Uh, in the hunting community when it comes to yeah it's just people don't understand it like they don't understand the commitment and the right and the hard work that, that goes, that into, goes it. into it mm -hmm. and they just think oh yeah you're gonna go in there with your dogs and run everything off well that's not that's not it at all right it's, yeah you know, like you're in there and that dog not only you but that dog is in there for a specific animal and that's the only thing that it's going off of you know it, it isn't going to chase anything else it's if it's you know you put your time in with it and it's broken mm -hmm. it won't chase anything else it isn't in there to run your deer off it's you're going in there for a cat or a coyote or a rabbit that's what it's gonna that's what it's gonna chase 
Um, are there any other specialized tools that you use running the dogs other than uh, the collars? No, that's okay. that's it. The the collars, the GPS, and good warm clothes whenever it's winter time. Right. <laughs> Do you have um, like how would you handle any situations like when when you're running into non-targeted wildlife during your hunts? Like I know we talked about the deer, but like what what steps do you prevent uh take to prevent you know unintended harm to other animals or anything like that year long of running right and training and do you, you know. do you run into any porcupines uh my coon hounds used to yeah okay um it's pretty hard to keep them off of right. it but yeah i've i've had my fair share of That's porcupines nice. over the years but since the the training collars came out those instances went way down um, one thing that I know we touched on a little bit uh, when we first started is, and this is a question I ask all the guests, okay, because this show is a Pennsylvania show, and this is for Pennsylvania outdoorsmen. Is there anything that you think that our state does well regulation-wise, or is there anything that you would like to see change, in your opinion, regulation-wise? Um, well, two things. I was really against the point restriction whenever it first came okay. out. And, but I was a young child. Right. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I want to add to that real quick. So I, w I was in the same boat. And when, when that came out, you know, what I got from that was I was so young. Yeah. Dad, you know, uncles, uh, uh, that ain't no good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember my family, they would all go up to camp and they'd bring home, say a, an eight point that's 10 inches wide. Uh -huh. People from, everywhere came to look at it because it was an eight point you know like you you didn't see buck like that it was spikes and four points well then that point restriction came out well that first year i think i was 13 13 or 14 that first year i had seen a pile of deer that were you know shot that people would walk up on and see that they weren't legal and they would just walk away from them mm -hmm. well they don't do that anymore i mean people are you know it, it's actually really working um the buck that pennsylvania has now are just unbelievable mm -hmm. i mean they're Come you, yeah it, it really really has like now you don't i want a buck pole with a nine point that was maybe 15 inches i've won every buck pole with that thing mm -hmm. that year and now i pass 30 of them up a year you know like it's i don't want something like that right you know like i i want nice big you want a big maturity yes right yeah i so uh, this is actually last last episode i had i that I recorded, we talked about this, and uh, what what we can do is thank Dr. Gary Alt because yes, he's he, he was the one that you got to think the it, fire yeah. and brimstone that that man stood in front of in the the Pennsylvania yeah. of all places. You know, I would say here in Michigan, mm. you're a dead man. Yeah, you were a dead man walking if you change things that people really want, and then to tell them you can't shoot that deer. Yeah, you know, and I mean, <laughs> uh, didn't he have something to do with the bear population first was, before they put him in charge of the deer? He was, from my understanding, he was, I think, almost 20 years he was the bear, mm -hmm. the bear guy. And, um, you know, look at our bear population. Yeah. It's good, too. Yeah. Right. So the, the footprint that that man left has been really good for our state, for our deer hunters and our bear hunters. Yeah. Um, I love the point restriction, too. I think it's great. But I was also raised that way. Yeah. Right? You know, where some of your older gentlemen, they may, be, they may still be against it. Yeah. And I, I can understand why, because they weren't raised in that. Yes. You know, yeah, that it, was perfect for guys like you and I. Yeah, it came. It, it really did help. It, like, 
people came a long way. You don't see buck like that being accidentally shot anymore. Like people actually take their time and, mm -hmm. and harvest legal buck now yeah. that are usually mature now because we're getting three, four year old buck, you know, on on average that people are killing. Like you see some pictures around here of people harvesting these buck and there's 150s, you know, right. 160s, sometimes 170s. And that's a pretty big whitetail. Yes, that's a giant whitetail, <laughs> yeah. really. Uh, we're lucky where we live. Um, we're, we're kind of, where we're at, we're on the side of Pennsylvania to where our soil is a little better. As you get, obviously, yeah. as you get more west, you know, when you get into Allegheny County, um, I'm trying to think of some other counties out that way, the soil is just much better. Armstrong County. Armstrong's, that's number yeah. one, I believe, um, for, for Pennsylvania. I think that that's where they harvest the most large mm -hmm. deer. But I believe here in... And I, I'm just going to give this a number, and this may or may not be right, but I think it's upwards of 80% of the deer that were killed, the bucks that were killed before the antler restrictions were a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I'd believe that. And like, I, I, think it's, I think it's higher than that, but um, pretty wild stat. I, I agree with how they did the doe season as well as how he, how he handled that. So it used to be three days. And I remember that. As a young, you know, uh, we weren't allowed to hunt until we were 12 years oh, old. So mm -hmm. as like a young youth hunter, I would sit there with my dad and you would see a herd of deer come through. They were 80 to 100 of them in there. And at the end, there was a spike or a four point. You know, the rest were all doe. Mm -hmm. And now you see just as many buck as you do doe. Like they, they got the ratio where it needs to be in order for the food to be, you know, given to the to the to the buck to where they can actually grow bigger antlers now. Like the deal, the doe aren't eating the majority of the food that the woods produces yep right and you know that's that's something that i could get into a whole giant conversation about is but you know for those of you that listen that may or may not agree with killing does which for, unfortunately for some people just don't agree with killing it i don't really understand the concept of that but i know we all want to see deer mm -hmm. right the fact is you don't want to see 80 doe and two bucks yeah right and what the deer will do is they will they will ruin a habitat and kill themselves yes. in the process Right, because they're going to eat everything, yes. ruin everything, and then there's nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have states like California who have really ruined that for themselves yeah. because of the liberal agenda is what it is. But um, you know, that's that's why we need to have proper balance. balance. Yes. Right. Um, now that's something you really like. Is there anything uh, on the top of your head that you think of? You know, well, you know, that would be really nice if this was changed, or I think they should do this or that. Um, cat hunting, for instance, you can run. And hunt coyotes on a Sunday. You can run and hunt fox on a Sunday, but you can't run and hunt cat on Sunday. Uh, I would really enjoy if they would open that up to where, <laughs> you know, like as far as deer hunting, I don't really, right. I don't agree with Sunday hunting. You know, that's my body needs a break okay. on on a Sunday because I hunt so hard throughout the week right. that you know it feels good to rest one day. Right, but cat season that season so short that you know sunday hunting for that would be would be nice so um and i'll just throw my opinion out on on this i i don't want to get into the deer thing because i i'm you know i was telling you when i got here that's what i'm all for so any any time i can get i'll take but uh my opinion would be uh, a medium i right? when i meet at a happy place that it would be this mm -hmm. in my experiences when i talk to people about small game hunting they don't even know what i'm talking about yeah Okay, it's it's a dying thing. Yes, it so is. It's very unfortunate, but it is. 
And it's because the deer hunting has blown up so much in our state. Yeah. Because when you do look at the history of your other states, they don't have the small gay hunting heritage that we do. And they have the deer hunting heritage. Here in Pennsylvania, that heritage is mainly based on small game yes. hunting. Because like you said, they're... My pap has told me stories where there just wasn't deer. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, I mean, you can attest, you can go back and look. The, they had to bring deer back into our state. Yeah. They killed them off, right? So those numbers were coming up. Also, I've seen old pictures. There was no trees. <laughs> they just cut them all. Yeah. Right? Your mines and your all your other stuff, they come in and they just took all the resources, which, you know, that's the history. I have yeah. no problem with what they did, but what, what happened was there was just nothing. Yeah. And there was small game. So my pap would say, you know, we would do a small game hunt. And that's what we did. We hunt squirrel, we hunt rabbit. Mm-hmm. We hunt squirrel, hunt rabbit. And then they had some pheasants and they had some uh, some uh, grouse, right? Uh, I, I I personally have seen the grouse numbers coming up on my property. This this past year, yeah, they started coming up because they had um, West Nile. And they really, really took their numbers down drastically. Mm-hmm. Like I run um, – I have a, a friend, he's an older fella, but he's a guide for the National Grouse Society, and he lives up north in Mount Jewett. His name is Mark Frankart, and he takes all these people. He even has um, camps up in uh, the Adirondacks where the grouse population is really big, and um, they send the birds that they do kill um, a sample of the bird, uh, maybe their tongue, it might be their tongue they send to state college and he said like 85 percent of them or something have the west, west nile, nile. No yeah. shit. i didn't i never heard that i, I knew that the numbers were down because of disease but like right now you'll see you'll see a lot of grouse right now you know the hatch and then you think that they're that they're going to be plentiful this year but um that's just because they haven't been bitten yet or affected yet okay and by fall the numbers are back down they just whack them huh yeah i i will say like i said I, I have seen the numbers come back up and um i believe that pheasant stamp that that's supposed to help yeah with with that too it's yeah. supposed to help with the with the population numbers not for stalking but for uh you know environmental change mm-hmm. and um landscape and stuff like that yeah uh but i was saying a, a happy medium maybe a split between guys who aren't on board for the deer hunting on Sunday because they, maybe they do want to rest or maybe that's a family day for them or whatever the reasoning may be. Religion, some mm-hmm. people. Um, but how about why can't we small game hunt, right? So then, you know, we can hunt on Saturday. We can hunt our whitetail. And if you want to go in the woods on Sunday and shoot some squirrels or shoot some rabbits. Yeah. Right? I mean, I feel like that'd be huge uh, for for the well, first small game. Well, small game hunting, like, like you said, we – we grew up, you know, hunting small game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good for a youth to small game hunt mm-hmm. because it makes them better marksmen. You know, you, you have less wounded animals then because people grow up hunting smaller targets and more plentiful targets at that point. You know, your bag limits are a lot lot higher. What are you allowed, five squirrels, six squirrels, something like that? I think that's what it is, yeah. And, and you, get, you get a lot more shots and experience that way. Mm-hmm. And anymore, it's, like you said, it's dying down and, you know, people take their kids out deer hunting, and that's yeah. that's their hunting is deer hunting. Right, and and you've seen the change. You know, now you can you, the mentor. Yeah. You know, you can hunt legally. You know, I know growing <laughs> up, I know lots of boys that were under twelve yeah. deer, but you know, this is a legal thing that you can mentor a child, and you can go out and and, and harvest one with yeah. them. Yeah. And that, it's great. Um, you know, I grew up hunting Ohio too, so I was able to hunt underage because mm-hmm. they had that's what they had. They had just had a junior license. 
Um, I, I agree with it, but at the same time, like you said, I think that the mentors need to need to take that into consideration, right? Because what you learn from rabbit hunting, number one, I could say is you're going to hunt in a line, mm -hmm. right? So now you got to watch where you're swinging your gun. Yeah. Bang. There's safety, number one. Like you said, number two, you got to watch for the dogs, right? You're, where's the dogs, yeah. right? So now, now you're learning that patience behind, hey, mm -hmm. i got to wait for the proper shot, right? You can't just throw lead, if you will, yeah. or anything like that. Um, the squirrel hunting, you got to make a good shot. Yeah. Squirrel, they're, they're about as tough as tough could be. Yeah, they are. You know? Um, and then cleaning them, right? I know, cleaning the squirrels. I hate cleaning squirrels yeah, to this day. They're pretty tough. And, um, but, you know, you learn – like this ain't it's not all just shoot kill happy yeah. you know right and and as you can progress your way into deer hunting because I feel like that's here in Pennsylvania like that's the top tier right mm -hmm. that's the top of the podium for a lot of guys that just want to hunt you know they don't have hounds and stuff to take care yeah. of they don't want to so deer hunting's is what they're gonna go with but you know the the progression of that is yeah yeah I I've learned a lot in the woods like that I think that small game hunting made me a very successful you know outdoorsman in general uh, i've been very successful deer hunting um everything that i hunt or go after like i went to colorado this past past winter i got an elk out there like because uh, i i know the woods you know like my dad taught me like different types of trees the feed the mm -hmm. you know the the natural funnels and right. and things like that where the animals go and and he taught me that throughout dragging me through the woods all those years yeah hunting everything basically small game hunting mostly because that's what we did and for the most part that's that's the woodsmanship yeah. right and unfortunately somehow that's a dying thing yeah which is. is crazy to talk about but i i use trail cameras and i'm a big trail camera person i will tell you yeah they're great and they're a great tool and i also use them for leisure too mm -hmm. because i'll put them on a log crossing at a creek just because yeah. i want to see see what what's right? going on and yeah. that's cool to me but at the same time, this cookie cutter deer hunter, you want to get into deer hunting? First thing you got to do is go buy a trail camera. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what happens is, well, there's deer there. I know they're there. I'm going to go there and hunt. But they forget, yeah. you know, hey, go look for, right. for rubs, scrapes. And this is something I was just talking to somebody else about, another host of a podcast. What about deer shit? You know, I remember I remember me telling my dad, oh, I found this, found that. And he just looks and says, well, how much deer shit you find? Yeah. And it's like. Why, why didn't I even – I was thinking so far into this rub line and that scrape, and I could hunt the thermals right here and do this that – same thing with rabbits. Yeah. You know, oh, I've seen all this chewing in here, right? Yep. Did you find any rabbit shit in there, <laughs> right? It's, and it can be that easy. Yeah. But it's just – the woodsmanship is – it's not there. Yeah. I like to – I like to challenge myself, like you were saying earlier. Like, you like challenges, you know. That's that's what you like to do. That's what makes you an out an, an outdoorsman. And I'm the same way. Like, archery hunting, I like to go, I'll, I'll look at my maps, you know, on, on Google Images. Mm -hmm. And I'll pick a spot miles, miles, miles back in. And I'll leave here at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'll cross Chest Creek down here and I'll pack way in and I'll, you know, go find a tree and I climb it and... I like going to new woods, breaking them down, mm -hmm. deciphering, you know, what's going on and being successful there. Yeah. Like I do that with the mountains every year. I go up, up Potter County. I pick different areas, different mountains, and I go hunt that. Mm -hmm. And I just like to, to challenge my experience and my knowledge that, mm -hmm. that I was 
taught, that, you know, that my father had taught me. You're growing. Yes. Is what you're doing. And, yeah. and that's the only and, way to do it. And that's like I, I like taking other people and, and implanting that knowledge in their brain that mm-hmm. have hunted their whole lives and, and watching them succeed and, right. you know, be successful throughout that as well. And that's that really comes into what wealth is, yes. right? Because you have this wealth of knowledge, yes. right? And the only way that you can get anything out of that back to yourself is to give it yes. back to yes, somebody exactly. else, right? And that's in the outdoors community, that's what we have, yeah, right? And that's why we bond like we are right now because we this is this is something that we just keep blowing the dust off of, mm-hmm. right? It's been handed down and handed down and handed down, and we just keep blowing the dust off it, and we're trying to pass it down, yeah. and pass it down. And unfortunately, you know, with the way that the world is, we're we're at the front line, and yeah. this is all we have left. So we have to instill it upon others that hey, this is this is what we want to do. Right? Yeah, so. I couldn't agree more. Um, before we go, man, um, is there any any words of advice that you would give to any uh, young houndsman or maybe an older gentleman? I don't know that wants that wants to get into Maybe having rabbit dogs, maybe having any type of hunting dogs. What, what would you say to them? Get out as much as you possibly can. Uh, if you're going to do it, don't do it half-assed. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. I agree. And if you're going to do it, you'll you'll live a, a happy, successful life. Like you, there, it's very, very gratifying. You know, it's it is a lot of work, but it's also a lot of pleasure involved in it. And if you're going to do it, do it right. And they'll treat you right. Yeah. I, I agree. And I just want to add to your statement. Also, if you're going to do it and you're going to buy a dog, don't let me find out that you need to get rid of that dog. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> all right. Because I've been down the road and I made all the sacrifices when I had the dogs. Yeah. Right. And that's, I said, that's the only reason I stepped back from getting another one is because I wanted to go another route and I couldn't give 110 fold. Yeah. You have to. You absolutely animal. have to be able to. Right. So, but Merle, I, this was a great conversation, man. I'm, um, I'm really excited to to talk to you further, um, see how your season goes and all that stuff. And maybe maybe I can touch back in later in the year, or maybe we can talk about some deer hunting, or maybe even some bear hunting or something. I have some friends that would probably be interested in sitting down together too, which always makes for even better conversation. Mm-hmm. But thank you for having me, man. This yes, sir. Is, thank you for coming. Yeah. Do you um do you have any way that you'd like people to reach out with any questions to you or anything or um uh, they can uh well i'm sure they can find me on facebook okay I'm sure find find yeah. you on facebook yeah. and then kind of maybe even follow your journey check yeah. out what you're doing um maybe if you post a picture of, of any kills you have or anything like mm-hmm. that they can check in with you or maybe uh maybe they're local to here and they say hey i got a couple questions about dogs uh, maybe you'd be interested in helping them some absolutely somehow some way so thank you brother yes sir thank you You have reached the end of another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Guys, as I do at the end of every episode, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. The love and support is there. And in return, I'll keep bringing you episodes. Merle, I want to thank you so much for coming through on this episode. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me at your beautiful house and your beautiful land. Can't wait to see where the hunting adventures take you here in the great state of Pennsylvania and beyond. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you soon.